We begin the Gemara today right at the bottom of Pevavam with Beis, right after the Mishnah. The Mishnah said there, a person writes to his wife when they're getting married, Again, that any neder, any shvua, you'll not be obligated to make for me. So then the Mishnah goes through different scenarios, exactly how he wrote it to her. But the point is that then she will not have to make any shvua for him. So the Gemara will here discuss which shvua are we talking about that he's telling her that she will not have to make for him. Shvua mai avidite. Which shvua are we talking about that he's patterning her from making this shvua? So Rav Yudah says in the name of Rav, this goes back to what it said in the previous Mishnah before. This refers to the Shvua that his wife would have to make if she would be a manager in the store or of his business. And then the previous Mishnah said that the husband could have her swear to him at any time that you didn't use anything for yourself. So over here, he makes a deal with her and they make an agreement that she's not going to have to swear for him. That is what it's referring to. Rav Nachman says in Rabbi Baravue that this includes actually another Shavuah as well, which we're going to learn soon in the next Mishnah. Regarding a woman that is Pegem her Ksuba, which means she's admitting that part of her Ksuba was paid up already. That's what Pegem Ksuba means. We'll see in the next Mishnah when there's an argument between the husband and the wife whether her Ksuba was paid up and she admits that part of the Ksuba was paid up. So then usually the halacha is that she's going to have to swear that she only got that portion and not the full amount like the husband argues. So over here, when the husband writes to her that you won't, you won't have to swear for me, this will pat to her from swearing that she got only part of the Ksuba. So Rashi explains that the machloik is here between Rav Yudam Arav and Rav Nachman is, according to Rav Yudam Arav, this that he's patterning her for making a shvua only refers to a shvua that she would have to make for him that's, that's usual in the, in the marriage if she's a manager. So that's a shvua that she's obligated to make for him. But Pegemes Ksubasa, which is a shvua that she has to make now based on her claim, it's something that she sort of brings upon herself because she claims that she was paid only half. She brings this shvu upon herself. So that, that kind of a shvu he never absolved her from. But Rav Nachman adds and says, even this kind of shvu that's based on her taina that she says that she got half, even this shvu he's also pattering her from when he says, when he makes the agreement with her that she should not have to swear. So the Gemara says, also Rav Mordechai, Rav Mordechai went, Omrel Shmaita Kameid Ravashi. And he said, this Machloik uh, is here regarding the Pshat and the Mishnah in front of Ravashi. And he asked the following question, Bishlem Lamandamala Pigemes Ksubasa, the opinion that says that the Shvua that the husband is telling his wife that he she'll, she will not have to swear for him refers to this when they're having an argument about the payment of the Ksuba. And she paid part, and she says that she only got paid part already, so that she's not going to have to swear there. So we can understand why they made such an agreement. Why the maska daita? Because even when they're just getting married, so she thinks to herself, Maybe when I'll be married, I'm going to need some money. And where am I going to get money from? I'm going to get some money that I need from a, from a, from a place, from a property that was designated from my ksuba, and I'll take a little bit from myself. And therefore, the Amale, so she says to her husband when she's getting married, Ksavli, I want you to write to me, basli, that you're not going to force me to swear that I only got paid a part of my ksuba. Because she's thinking to herself, this is something that could happen. 
She, she could be in need of money, and it could happen that she took part of her ksuba, and then later, when it's going to come to getting paid ksuba, she's going to be forced to swear like the halacha usually is, and therefore she wants her husband to write it to agree that she will not have to swear. That's something we could expect that she should make such an agreement when she's getting married. Why should he want to do that? Why should? He want to ask to get If he wants to get married to her. This is yeah. the only uh, condition that uh, she agrees. She only wants to get married in such a condition. No, this is, but this is mamish by the, by the marriage itself. But this is the agreement they make by the chasana itself. So then if you, she's, he's making this agreement that he's getting married to her this tonight. But according to the opinion that says that we're talking about the shvuah that you would have to make as a storekeeper, as a manager of his business during his lifetime, and that usually she would have to swear for him, and she's making an agreement with him that she should not. So the question is, the with a wife. When she's just getting married, does she have any idea of such a thing? Could we expect that she would be thinking in the future about this? That one day my husband is going to make me a manager in the store, the Amr Alei, and therefore she says now to him, write to me that you're not going to make me swear about the store, that I'm going to be uh, the storekeeper. Why is she at this point thinking about a store and being a storekeeper? Why? So it doesn't make sense that we should expect this to be written at the time when they're getting married. Taisus here points out, even though you could theoretically say that the husband and wife are making this agreement that she should not have to swear maybe after she got married and after she became a storekeeper. Uh, but not, maybe they didn't make this agreement, Lachat Chila. But Taisus says in the Mishnah, when it says, that this is speaking even about when they're getting married and then they're making this agreement. So why would she be thinking about such a thing at that point? So Ravashi answered Rav Mordechai and said as follows, You learned this machlaikis regarding which shvuah the husband is telling his wife she wouldn't have to swear, so you learned it regarding the reisha of the Mishnah. And therefore you have the question, why would a wife be thinking about the store, that she would be a storekeeper, then when she gets married? But Anan, we, we learned that in the, regarding the reisha of the Mishnah, there's no machlaikis. Everybody in the Reish of the Mishnah would agree that the point that the husband is telling his wife is that she will not have to swear in a case where she got part of her ksuba. She claims she got part of her ksuba. That's what it's referring to. And she's thinking about that when she's getting married. What's the machlekes I learned about this Mishnah? I learned in the safe of the Mishnah machlekes. What did it say in the safe of the Mishnah? After her husband passed away, she went straight from the Beis HaKvaris back home. Even if she went back to her husband's home to her father-in-law's home but she does not become the manager of any of his properties or of any of possessions that he left over so so the Yarshin cannot have a swear about anything because from whatever was before she already has an agreement with her husband that she will not have to swear and from after the burial she did not take care of anything she's not involved in any of the properties anymore so she doesn't have to swear then the Mishnah said if she does become the apotropist she does become the caretaker the manager of the possessions of the properties of the father after he passed away then the Yarshim could have a swear about what she's doing from now going forward because now that agreement she made with her husband that she will not have to swear is not relevant anymore because now these properties be, be belong to the inheritors it's, it's a new, new, new ownership so for this she'll have to swear but the 
but you will not have to swear for what happened before, in the past. Because again, for the past, that she already has an agreement with her husband from before that she will not have to swear. This is the quote from the Sefer of the Mishnah. Now, so Rav Ashi is saying, it's regarding this Sefer, that I learned the Machlekes. She'ovar ma'ya videtate. When it says here that she does not have to swear for the past, what exactly is considered to be the past? So here there's a machlekes. Omer Rav Yudah Marav. Rav said in the name of Rav. Allah Petrupius Shenasis B'chaye Abal. If she was a manager, a storekeeper in the life of the when the husband was still alive, for that she does not have to swear. That she has an agreement with him not to swear. Avol Bein Misa Anything that happened with any of the properties between the husband's death and his burial, Mashbin Allah. For that, she will, have, she will have to swear if she was the one that was arranging the burial, she was taking care of different things until his actual burial, she is going to have to swear that she did not take any money for herself or that she did not do anything that she caused a loss for the money at that, for, for that, for that uh, time. Right, so, so according to the interpretation of Rav, Sha'avar means only when the husband was alive. From the moment of after he passed away, she will have to swear. But then that afterwards, if, if after she, she leaves from the Beis HaKvaris, if after the burial, now she's not anymore handling any of the husband's possessions, so from then going forward, she will have to swear for the Yisayimim mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. But Rav Masna said, Once the husband passed away between his death and the Kvura, he also doesn't, she doesn't have to swear that she didn't uh, misuse the money at that point either. Even though the husband's not alive anymore. So the agreement she made with her husband that he, she won't have to swear for him is not in effect anymore. He passed away already. Now she's taking care of the matters, handling the kvura and so on. But still, she will not have to swear for that point. And why not? The Omri Nerdoi, because Nerdoi said as follows, Lakarga, if you have to pay off taxes, head tax for Yusayimim, or Lemizayini, or you have to feed the children or feed the wife, and therefore you have to sell properties in order to get them money to feed them. Or if there's properties from a person that passed away that you have to sell in order to pay for his burial. We allow to sell these properties even without the usual steps and the process the way it's done. Usually you have to announce and make sure that you get the proper, you do it in a proper auction and you get the proper value that you deserve for these properties. But over here, because these are things that have to be paid right away and you can't, you can't wait, so Chachamim allowed that it should be sold without the proper announcement. So, so too regarding a wife that has to very quickly take care of her husband's burial, we're not going to be particular with her and have her come back to us and swear that she didn't misuse a penny of this because it's all, it's, it could be impossible. She's, she's trying to do this as quickly as possible and, you, and it's going to be possible that she didn't mishandle the money to some extent and therefore we don't force her to swear for that point. Omer Abbe, Omer Abba said in the name of Rabchia. So here we're going to have a bunch of different opinions regarding what exact language is used when, when the husband makes this agreement with her that she does not have to swear for him. So he says, as I if the husband says to her, no nether, no vows on you, and no shvua upon you, so then any that's an expression that means that he cannot have her swear. Aval, With this expression, the inheritors could still have a swear. If he uses an expression, he says, you're absolutely clean from any nether or any shvua, so then, then this expression includes the inheritors as well. Not, not the inheritors will be able to have a swear. Because this is what he meant to say to her. You will be completely clear from any shvua whatsoever, not only from me. 
Rav Yisuf Amar Abchiyah, Rav Yisuf said in the name of Chiyah differently. Deloy nader, deloy shvuah. So if he says this expression, no nader and no shvuah, hey, who in a yochel ashbiyah, he can't have a swear, ava yoshim ashbiyah noisa, and heretus could have a swear. Noki nader, noki shvuah. So actually, this expression means that both he, the husband himself, and the Yoshin could have her, her swear for them. And the reason is because this is what he meant to say to her when he said, Noki. Noki means Noki Nafsheikh Bishfuas, a clear your soul. If you want to clarify that what you're saying is true, it's going to be with a Shvua. Not without a Shvua, but with a Shvua. Another opinion on this, Shalach Rab Lamar Ukve, he sent the, the halacha to Mar Ukve as follows. Bain the loy whether he said to her no shvua, bain the noki shvua, whether he said to her clear with a shvua, bain the loy neder, or it said no, no neder, bain the noki neder, clear with a no neder. If he says, bin nichosai, this is in my possessions. So then, because he said in my possessions, who any yochel he can't have a swear of a yoshim ashbiya The yoshim could have a swear. If his agreement with her is from these properties, not saying my properties, but from these properties, then in all of these languages used, so not he, not the inheritors could have a swear. Another opinion, whether he says no shvua, whether he says you're clear from a shvua, whether he says from my properties, from these properties, in all of these different expressions, whether it's him, whether it's the inheritors, Isa cannot have a swear. But after all of this, he adds and says, regarding the Yarshim, she will have to swear if she wants to collect money from them. Because of Avama what should I do? Shaharei Omru Chachamim, the Chachamim already said, they instituted. Anytime a person wants to come and get paid from the properties of the Yisayimim, he could only get paid if he swears that he's owed this money. So basically, the, this um, Abba Miriam, who's this over here? Abba Shal ben Ima Miriam, that is. He's arguing with the whole halacha that it mentioned already in our Mishnah. And our Mishnah said that a husband could make an agreement with his wife, that not only she won't have to swear for him, but she won't have to swear for the Yarshim. But here, he's saying in the name of Abba Shal, that for the Yarshim, there's a separate Akonas HaChamim, that no matter what, whenever you collect from Yisayimim, we don't want people to take advantage of them, so you do have to make a Shavuah. The Gemara brings the same thing, but just with a little bit of a different version. Others say that this is what said as a b'raise. Not Shmuel said it, but this was in a b'raise. Rabbi Shal ben Ima Miriam Oma, ben de loishvur, ben de nokishvur, ben de loineder, ben nokineder, ben menuchasa, ben menuchasai ilain, all of these expressions, ben hu, ben yershav, emash, bienoi. So really, as far as the agreement itself is concerned, nadi or nadi the inheritors should be able to have a swear for, for, for them. But what could I do? That there's If a person is paying, getting paid from the Yisayimim, you must make a shvua. Halacha is like Abishal, the son of Ima Miriam, that you're going to have to swear when you come to collect from Yisayimim. This is what I mentioned before, the case of Hapagemes Ksubasa. A wife that's paygim the ksuba, which the Mishnah will spell out in a moment what this means. She's getting paid her ksuba, she must make a shvua first. Another case, if there's a single witness that comes and says, your ksuba has been paid up already. 
Also, she could only get paid exub. She claims she did not get paid. She'll have to swear for this. If she's getting paid from the possessions of Yisayimim, or she's getting paid from somebody that bought the properties. There's a lien on the properties, but someone bought these properties from her husband. Or she's getting paid from her husband's properties, and it's not in his presence. He's here, he's not here, he's out of town. She has to get paid only after she makes a shvua. So the Gemara now, the Mishnah that is, will explain all these different cases. Hapegemes ksubasa, a case of a wife that was pagem or ksuba. The word pegemes literally means she blemishes. She, the, the ksuba. What does this mean? Keitzat. Haisa ksubasa elavzos. The ksuba, the full ksuba, was in the value of a thousand zos. Vamalah, the husband's sister, his kabalta ksubasech. You got the entire payment of ksuba. She argues and says, I only got one month of my ksubah. So she could only get paid with a shvuah. And the Gemara will explain, this is a takonim of the Rabbana, the Gemara will explain why. Another case, the second case the Mishnah said, An aid echad comes and says that the ksubah is paid up. So Ketzad, what does this mean? And the husband says, You got paid your whole ksubah. The wife argues and says, I didn't get paid at all. And one aid testifies that she got paid. So she could only get paid her ksuba if she will swear that she didn't get paid. Properties that were sold to someone. What's the case? The husband sold the properties that were meshuba. There was a lien on these properties for the ksubas. For the ksuba, that is, and he sold it to someone else. She's getting paid from the buyers. She wants to confiscate these properties. She has to swear for this. Same as from the Yusaymim as well. He left his properties for the Yusaymim. She's getting paid from the Yusaymim. So she has to swear before she collects from the Yusaymim. Similar, if she's collecting from the properties and the husband is out of town, if the husband went overseas, and the husband divorced her, and now she's getting paid, not in his presence, and in she only gets paid if she first swears that she deserves this ksuba. Regarding these last three cases here, which are basically all the same point, that she's getting paid from her husband, the money of the ksuba, not in his presence, so Rashi brings that the basis for this is, is what the Gemara says in Mesech Shvuas that Bechlal, any time you're collecting a loan from somebody, the person that uh, owes you the money has the right to turn around to you and say, I want you to swear to me that I didn't pay you this loan yet. If he demands of you that you have to swear that you didn't pay him yet, even if you have no proof that you paid, if you just demand, before I pay you, I want you to swear to me that the claim you make that I owe you money is true, he's going to have to swear. So therefore, in all these cases, when you're collecting the, the loan, or here the ksobe, not in the presence of the husband, so the bezdin will tiny this, as if the husband was here, that she has to swear before she collects this money. That's the basis of the salacha. The Mishnah continues, Rab Shimon, Rab Shimon said, and he's coming to argue, whenever she is demanding her ksobe, the Yerushim could have a swear before she collects. If she is not collecting a ksobe, then the Yerushim cannot have a swear. So it's not clear exactly what Rab Shimon is coming to say, what he's coming to argue about. The Gemara will explain this. So we'll wait for the Gemara. 
Ksubasa? A wife that admits that she got paid a part of the ksuba, that she has to swear if she wants to collect the rest. So Rabbi Bachama thought to say, Shvua Dairaisa. That this is a shvuah that she's obligated to, to swear minat And this is known as the shvuah of Maidah B'miktsas. Why? The katan Masayim. The husband claims, I paid you the full ksuba, which is usually 200 zuz. The kamaidah la And she's admitting that she got paid half. So if so, have you lahaydah She's admitting part of this taina. The husband says you got fully paid, and she says only half. So this is the case of Maidah B'miktsas that we already learned earlier here in the Masechta. That's one of the Shavuos Menatayra. When you admit to a part of the claim, you have to swear. So that's why she has to swear in this case. Sarava responded and explained, that's not the Pshat of the Shavuah. And there are two answers, two reasons why this is not a Shavuah Menatayra. Chada, the first reason is, all those different shvuas menatayra, there are three different cases that you swear menatayra, and always a shvuah menatayra is when someone is demanding payment from you, and you are trying to stop, you don't want to pay, and so you can swear and not pay. That's the way a shvuah menatayra works. The way it is usually by a moedah b'miktsah, someone's demanding from you $100, and you say, I paid 50 So you're, you're trying to stop payment. Then that's the shvuah menatayra. But over here, over here, she's swearing in order to take, to collect her ksuba. So that's not a shvua menatayra. V'oid, another reason why this can't be a shvua menatayra, ein nishbon al-kfiraz shibud karkois. You don't, menatayra, you don't make a shvua when you're denying something regarding a lien that there is on a property, something that relates to karka. This is learned from a pasik. The Gemara learns out from a pasik that a shvua menatayra is only regarding valuables or money or movable items, not regarding karka. By a ksuba, the entire shibud of a ksuba is all on karka. So therefore, this is an argument between husband and wife regarding a shibud and the karka. No so, this is, so this is no, this is no uh, shvua menatayra. No so therefore Rav says, Midrabanon, over here, this is a Chachamim instituted that she has to swear for this. And what's the reason? Because the, the nature of people is as follows. The para dayik, a person that pays, is very particular. He remembers exactly what he pays, usually. The mifra loy dayik, a person that gets paid, doesn't remember as much exactly the amount of what he got paid. So therefore, when the husband says, I paid you fully the ksube, we, we sort of rely more on what he says, that he probably paid it to her fully. And when she says she only got paid a part or half, so we don't necessarily fully rely on her. So therefore the Rabbana placed a shvua upon her. So now that she has to swear, she'll be more specific. She'll think this over to be clear to herself, did I actually only get paid this amount that I claim I got paid? The question was asked regarding this shvua. What's if she comes and says, I only got paid half of my ksuba? And she brings Edim that she got paid that amount. So in such a case, is it also going to be the halacha? And the husband says, yeah, I paid you that half with these Edim, but then on another occasion, I paid you the other half as well. So over here as well, are we going to say that she still is going to have to swear that she only got paid this part? So do I say, do I say, if it's true that he paid the other part, just like he paid the per- first part with Edim, as we see here, and he claims on another occasion he paid her the other part, he would have had Edim for that as well. If he has no Edim that he paid her the other part, so then it's logical that what she's saying is true, and she doesn't have to swear for this. 
Or perhaps, no, the fact that one part there are Adem that he paid her is no Raya that he didn't pay the other part as well. Maybe it just happened to be that there were Adem present when he paid her the first part of the Ksuba, so there's Adem for that. The husband never brought those Adem. And for the other part of the Ksuba, there were no Adem there and he paid her that as well. So therefore, there's no, we don't have any more of a, of a reason to believe that what she's saying is true. So therefore, she still should have to swear like every case of Pegamus Ksubasa. Toshima, so the Gemara brings a Braisa that seems to say this very clearly. The Braisa there says as follows. So this is maybe actually a Mishnah in Mesech Shvuas. So there it says as follows. The rule we said before. Those are cases where a person is swearing to not pay. But the following Chachamim instituted that you swear and then with the Shvuah you can collect and what are they? Hasachir, a worker. There's an argument between the worker and the, the person that he worked for, the owner. He says, no, I paid you already. He says, no, you did not pay me. So the Sachir can swear and collect payment. Hanigzal, a person that someone stole from him. And the case over here is somebody walked into someone's private house and you see him walking out and he has something under his garment. And, and the, the owner of the house says, hey, you stole something from me. He says, no, 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 I didn't steal anything. What I'm taking is mine. So because we see over here that he took something, it's very possible that he actually took something from this person that doesn't belong to him. So the, the owner could swear and have him pay. The Hanechbal, somebody that got uh, bruised, got harmed. You walk into someone's house and you walk out with a, with a black eye. And the person in the house says, I didn't touch him. He just walked in and somehow he bumped into the pole over here. And so if you swear that he's the one that hurt you, he's going to have to pay you. And in a situation where there's a din and one person has to make a shvua to patter himself of paying, but he can't. When we know for a fact that this is a person that we're suspicious, that's going to swear falsely, we don't allow him to swear. Then the one, the other baldin against him is the one that has to swear and he has the right to swear and then collect money. And the last case is, uh, or uh, well, the case of is when you have a person that has a storekeeper, that he has an account by the storekeeper that he, he buys by him, and he pays up eventually the account that he has. And this person had workers that he owed money to. So he tells the storekeeper, let these workers go and buy f- food by you and put it on my account. And now the storekeeper comes and says, yeah, I allowed uh, your workers to take food from my store and now you owe me money for what I pay them or what I allowed them to buy in the store on your account and the workers come and say never happened we never got anything from the store over here so the halach over there is that both the storekeeper and the workers could swear against this person they could, the storekeeper will swear I, ne- I gave these uh, workers the, what you told me to give them and the workers will claim no we never got anything and they'll both collect from him in all these cases, the Chiddush of the Shavu is, what's usually the halacha regarding any money matter? The halacha always is, If you want to take money out of your friend, you're going to have to bring a raya, and a raya is usually with Adem. You can't just swear and collect money. But in all these cases, because there is a certain reason to believe that you're owed the money, so therefore, if you just swear, you're able to collect the money. And the case that we sp- we're speaking about over here, Vahapaygim Shtaray, and a case where a person says regarding a star that part of the star was paid up, and the Mishnah there adds, and there's no Adim that are saying this. You're saying that you paid up part of it, and the other person says he paid you up fully, and you say only part, and there's no Adim to back you up. So this is the raya for the question that we asked. in. So the, the Mishnah is clearly saying that only if there are no Adim saying like you, like you claim. But be Adim lie. 
But if Edom are backing up what you said, that you got paid up that part, so then we're not going to say that for the other part you're going to have to swear. So this is, even though it's possible you got paid up the other part as well, you don't have any Edom saying that you didn't get paid up the other part. But once there are Edom saying that you got paid up this part, you don't have to make a shvu on the other part. But the Gemara answers and says, there's no raya from that Mishnah. Because actually there's a svara to say the exact opposite. I can tell you that when that Mishnah says that it was without Edim and therefore you make a Shvua, that's actually a Chiddush. And then the reason is as follows. Needless to say, in a case where there are Edim that are backing up that say that you got paid that portion, over there most definitely you will have to swear that you didn't get paid the other part that the other person claims he paid you. If there are no Edim that you got paid up anything, so then there's a Swara to say that you should not have to swear at all because you're like a Meshav Aveda. Meshav Aveda is a person that's returning a lost object. So over here as well, someone comes and claims that he paid you up this full star, or by a husband. The husband claims to the wife, I paid you up the full ksuba. This person has no raya whatsoever that he paid it up. The wife is holding the ksuba in her hand. She could very easily claim, you paid me up nothing. And she goes and volunteers, so so to speak. She's admitting on her own. Nothing's forcing her to volunteer volunteer and and admit this. So this is like giving back a lost object. The husband had no raya for this. So in such a case where she's giving something, or she's admitting to something that she did not have to, there'd be a strong swatter to say that for the remainder that she claims she still owed, she should not have to swear. So she should take the remainder without a shvua. Right, so this is, this is a bigger chiddush over here that you have to swear. So kamash malon, so that's a chiddush that even in such a case you have to swear as well. Okay, so therefore there's no raya from this Mishnah. Now, another question the Gemara asks, A wife that comes and says, I got paid up the money of the ksube, but she doesn't claim that she got paid up this money all at once. She says to the husband, here I got a little bit of money from you. Here I got a little bit. She's, she's saying we were married for 10 years. And over the 10 years, little by little, you paid me s- small increments of money, even less of a shava pruta. And together, it came out that I got paid from you $50. So Maha, what are we saying in such a case? Does she still have to swear that she's owed the rest of the ksuba? Why not? Me and do I say, keeping the kadaika kula high? We see how particular she is. She's, she's so careful. She knows exactly how much she gave her and, and every day and, and, and she puts it all together. So, Kushtakamra, this itself is the raya that she's saying the truth. Right? The whole swat of the Gemara said before was that when, when a person gets paid, they're not so particular in how much they got paid necessarily. But over here we see how particular she is. Or perhaps we can't use this as a raya. Maybe she's just deceiving us. She wants to look honest. So she's saying that I got paid this amount and that amount. So she's just deceiving us. So we can't trust her. Teiku, this is unresolved. Another question. What's if, if her argument is not that she got paid up a portion of the ksobe, but her argument is that the ksobe from the, in the first place was less than what the husband claims it was. The husband says that the ksuba was a thousand mana, and she says, no, the ksuba was half of that amount. So she's saying that the whole ksuba in the first place was less. So me, Amirin and Haina Pegemis. Is this the same as saying that she got paid up part of the ksuba? Or perhaps, Pegemis, Maidim Mikzas. Pegemis is a Maidim Mikzas, and this goes back to the Svara that the Gemara said before, as Taisus explains. The, the Svara the Gemara said, when you get paid, you're not necessarily Medayik how much you got paid. 
you don't necessarily remember how much you got paid, so therefore there you have to swear. But ha, like a maidib miktsas. Over here she's not being maidib miktsas. She's saying, I got paid nothing, but the amount of the ksuba originally was less. So maybe here she does not have to make a shua. So the Gemara brings it right. The Braith says, Toshema pechasas. In a case where she says the ksuba originally was less, Tifra shvua. She actually gets paid that amount without any shvua. Keitzah. What's the case? The ksuba was, she has a ksuba in her hands, and the ksuba says it's a thousand zuz. And the husband says to her, You got paid the whole entire ksuba. And she says, No, I did not get paid any of the ksuba yet. But then she says, The ksuba in the first place was not a thousand zuz, it's only one mana. So she gets paid without making any shvua. So the Gemara asks in this, wait a minute, how is she getting paid based on what? But my gavya, with what is she collecting her ksuba, which she says now is only one mana? Baha'i shtara, with the ksuba that she's holding in her hands. The ksuba that she's holding in her hands says that it's a thousand mana. So ha'ishtara chaspe ba'almohu, this star she has in her hands is a piece of earthenware. It's, it's worthless because it's, it's, according to her claim, this is not the amount that she's owed at all. So how is she collecting the b'chalal ksuba? She has no star to collect her ksuba. So Rabbi that is, Rabbi said, She says there was a trust between me and my husband, that even though he's writing me the ksuba of a thousand ksuz, but nevertheless, there was a trust between us that he's only going to pay us a hundred, only one hundred. Maybe this was the, you know, by the chasana. She wanted that it should look impressive, that her husband is giving her a huge ksuba of a thousand mana, but really there was a trust between them that he only has to pay her a, a fraction of that, only 10%. And that's why she's claiming that that was a much smaller ksuba, and that's what she'll get paid. So why should she have to swear if she wants to take less? Again? No, because the, the, the husband is claiming that I paid you everything. The husband claims I don't owe you a penny. So for this that she still wants to take, she's going to have to swear. One more piece here, going back to what it said in the Mishnah. An aid echad says that she got paid up her So the Mishnah says she'll have to swear if she wants to collect. So similar to before, the Gemara says, thought to say, the reason she has to swear, this is minatayre. Because by aid echad, the Pasik says, that you can't trust the words of an aid echad to say that a person did an aveira, that they should be high of a punishment for that. So for that, we don't trust an aid echad. But we do trust an Eid Echad that when Eid Echad says something regarding a money matter, you're going to have to swear against him. And the Master explained about this. Anytime if two Eidim are testifying, you're going to have to pay. So if one testifies, you're going to have to swear. So here as well, one Eid is testifying that she got paid the full Ksube, so she'll have to swear to collect the rest against the Eid Echad. So again, Omar Rav responded and said, No, this is not a Shvu Minatayr. Shtei Bedavar. There are two answers for this. Usually, the Shvu Minatayr, you're swearing in order to party yourself from paying. You're not swearing in order to be able to collect money. And over here, she's swearing and she's taking, she's collecting. So this is a Shvu Minatayr. The second point is, You don't swear... On, the, on a shvua that on a on a, on a dintaira or an argument which relates to an, a money being owed from a property a karka, uh, so therefore alamarave. So here as well, Rav said midrabanon. You have to swear midrabanon kedei lahafiz daito shel bal in order to appease the the 
the, the Baal, and it's, it's, I mean, the reason we're appeasing him over here, it's not just appeasing him, the point over here is, the Baal, the husband, brings an aid to support what he says. So therefore, Chachamim were masakin, that in such a case, when the husband's argument has an aid supporting him, you're going to have to make a shvua against the husband.